All right, everybody, welcome to episode 35 of Tune Today. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, today we've been talking about this episode for quite a while. <laughs> we are going to count down our top 10 samples of all time. Now, we feature this a lot on Tunes Mate. We both set out, you did your top 10, I did mine. Yep. And I'm excited to talk about samples because they're some of my favorite songs that have ever been created. Yeah, I got to admit off the bat, this is not my wheelhouse here. So you're going to see a lot of songs from a really specific period of time. And, you know, I think that period of time is probably reflective of a certain excellence in sampling that was going on. At the same time, I freely admit here, you know a lot more about this than I do. Well, I just took a shot at some of the songs that I know that pack dance floors. Yep. And I had a criteria, though, and I was wondering if it matched up against yours. I said, one, that it's looping part of an original song. So you've got an original song. I'm going to take a piece out of that and I'm going to loop it throughout mine. I'm not talking about a recreation of a song that's more of a cover, but I'm talking about taking a piece out. So that's one. The mm -hmm. other thing is I always have this idea that you're taking the loop, you're creating a song, but it seems to make the original sound better in some way. So you hear it and you go, I want to go back and listen to the original. Mm -hmm. And then I think the last one is, is that it also helps drive the sales or the, I guess, allure of the original song as well. So there's always a tie back to the original. And mm -hmm. there's a couple on here that I know on my honorable mention list that I could probably unveil that could fit some of that criteria before we hit into our top 10. And I know you've got a few in your top 10, but I'm curious to see if those three main criteria were similar to how you judge yours? Uh, I'd say I pretty much, what I focused on really wasn't those criteria. What I did was probably matched up best with your second criteria, that it makes it unique or better. I wouldn't even quite put it that way. I really just went for the feel. I looked for what do I think took that sample and used it in a way that created a really intense feel, a really magical kind of, you know, the more magical it felt, the better. And so in some ways that corresponds best to your second one that, you know, it, it took the original and it, it did something unique, but it didn't necessarily have to do something unique. It just, it did something well with it. And so mm -hmm. that was really my only criteria. There's a couple in my honorable mention that, I, uh, you know, one in particular, I, I put there only because of its, its significance in terms of driving sales or its significance as a, as a sample to, to the history of pop music, but I really, really just focused on what are the 10 that I think I listen to and I say that was put together really well. Okay. One that was in my top 10 that fell out after I started adding more into it that I think I'd put at number 11 on my list is Jay-Z's 99 Problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's sampling, there's a couple samples in there, but the most majority of the sample is Billy Squire. He has a song called The Big Beat that's off of one of his first original albums, but it's actually sampled by Alicia Keys and other artists. It's probably one of the top samples of mm -hmm. most of the hip hop community. And the reason I put it up so high is because of that, but also that song in itself is a really, really good song that makes you sing along and want to dance and it's pretty prolific a lot of people talk about that song in popular culture and make jokes about it 
Yeah, you know, the honorable mention, you're right. That's a song that does get used. You recognize it. It's one of the, that's the thing about sampling, right? Is that there's a number of samples that even if you don't know right offhand where it originated, you know you've heard it in a number of places. Yeah, there, there are certain songs that have provided sampling over the years, time and time again. They're the tried and true ones. And, and in, in fact, they've created a history of themselves so that somebody remembers, hears this and says, oh, yeah, I remember when that got sampled 20 years ago in this, which was, of course, sampling something from 10 years or 15 or 20 years earlier. And so there's actually become like a these historical markers that with songs like that. And you're right, The Big Beat is one of them. What's one of them on your honorable mention list? So the one I'll start with, the honorable mention, you know, MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This. As a song goes, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't I don't dislike it, but it doesn't like it doesn't make my top 10. It's not one that that, you know, oh, my God, I love that. And it grabs me. But to me, it, it was really significant. In the summer of 1990, that that song was a rap song that did really, really well in airplay in a way that very few, if any, rap songs had done before. And it took, I mean, I, I actually don't like Super Freak, the, the original by Rick James. I, mm-hmm. I actually don't like that song. And But the MC Hammer song takes that beat and takes that, that riff and makes it palatable to me. I mean, it makes it good. And so I think that that's the, the personal side of that, the sort of taste style of that is that he took something that I don't like and made it into something that I, I kind of do. But then the historical significance of that song, it really would have been the first rap song to go to number one. But they decided, the, the record company decided to stop making it as a cassette single. And it was only then available as like a 12-inch single. And at that, right when it was hitting its peak in popularity and airplay, and at the time, any rap song that was doing well would go like number one in sales. So you, you had a number of rap hits from the late 80s into 1990 where, you know, they peaked at number 10, number 20, number eight, maybe, you know, something like that. In fact, eight's where MC Hammer went. They peak in like the top 40 and it was driven by sales. They wouldn't get airplay because of the way pop radio was still a little averse to rap at that time. And certain songs still did like a walk this way or something, but there was still an aversion to rap somewhat. And so what would happen was these would just outsell everything, but they'd only go to like number 20 because their airplay was way down. And MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This actually hit number one in airplay. But right as it did that, they cut the sales. And so it fell in sales. And so the song only went to number eight. But had they not done that with the sale, and part of it was they wanted to sell the album more. And of course, it became the biggest selling album. Uh, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him became the biggest selling album of the year in 1990, or at least the most weeks at number one. Uh, I bought it. And yeah. So then, you know, five months later, uh, Vanilla Ice ends up becoming the, they actually did the same thing with Vanilla Ice's song, but it actually hit number one for a week before the sales got cut. And so, you know, to me, MC Hammers, You Can't Touch This is really significant as a song. And so that it's on my honorable mention because I feel like it's important. I have like 20 on my honorable mention. So I'm just only going to mention a couple. But one of the ones I had that gives a different twist that I do not believe you had on your list because I did get a peek was Tic Tac Toe mm-hmm. by Kuiper. And this was a, I think, a late 80s hit where they sampled Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Yep. And I just have a weakness for rap <laughs> songs 
that sample rock songs when they do that it's an instant favorite of mine because it brings together the best of both worlds and i think that's why a lot of the artists do that because they know there's there's going to be some instant crossover and the song was silly but it sampled yes one of my favorite 80s rock songs so it ended up in my honorable mention just because of the fact that it sampled something that I liked before. And I think you mentioned that on the onset that a lot of the songs did that because it sounded familiar. So you're like, okay, I'll like this too. Yeah. A couple of good points there. Uh, yeah. It was in 1990. That's when the hit, okay. it, it, I, I actually firmly remember that. That was the height of my chart following days. But you know, you raise a really good point about how many times they would, artists would sample a rock song because it, as you said, kind of blended the best of both worlds, right? It, it had the potential to reach further markets because you might like the Yes song or the Van Halen song. I'm sure we're going to touch on that later. And, you know, you like whatever rock song and now you might like this song too. But it, it also kind of gets to the idea that in a lot of ways in the late 80s, even though rock and hip-hop slash R&B slash rap were seen as distinct things, there was a lot of commonality there. And I knew people who really dug both of those at the same time. And there was a point in my life where I didn't understand that. And now I really do. And, you know, a few years later I did because there's a beat there that there's, there's other things, but part of it is there's a beat there. And so there's a really easy way to blend that together. And it does, then it has that sort of crossover appeal as well. So I don't really have anything quite like that in my honorable mention. I mean, I, I do have a De La Soul. I got a, you know, if you listen to De La Soul, they've got, they do some really good stuff with a number of songs and um, they did in a song called say no go, which sounds very similar to the, to I can't go for that. No can do by Hall and Oates as a title. They, uh, they sample that. And so it's not quite the same because Hall and Oates isn't rock. They're R and B based pop music. I mean, they're rock, but they're not like, you know, rock in the way that yes is. Sorry. I don't mean to say they're not rock, but they're, you know, Hall and Oates are very much built in the, um, the R and B tradition. Adult contemporary. So, well, yeah, they are, but Daryl Hall sings in that R&B tradition and they write stuff that's very much in that tradition. Know. So yeah, and they, they very much made them not only huge in the pop chart, but also on the adult contemporary chart. So uh, the close I got to that is probably Say No Go by De La Soul. Now, I had, this is my last honorable mention because I'm really excited about to get into our top 10, but this is one that fell out of my top 10 that if I could make one of them disappear, I would instantly <laughs> put it in there, but I, I just couldn't figure out how to put it back in but it was Regulate, Warren G and Nate Dogg. I love that tune that I Keep Forgetting by Michael McDonald just totally took it to another level, but it fell out because there's a couple others up there. But that was the last one. I think I really, really, it's a surprise because I couldn't believe it. When I saw it fall out, I was like, why is it falling out? This this song is awesome. (laughs) But once again, I think about songs that I could dance to, and that one is a little hard. It's more of a listening yep. song so it, that's i think that's why it fell out for me it's very much a just hang and feel this vibe kind of song right you, you just kind of sway to it yeah i think you're right about that well my last honorable mention it's sort of my my 10 with a question mark it because i'm not sure if it actually counts as a sample so i'll use this as my last honorable mention rhythm nation janet jackson's song rhythm nation it gets a beat from thank you for letting me be myself again by sly and the family stone I don't know. I mean, when I read about it, I read that it it was based off and not technically sampled. So it may not really count, but it really does sound 
like the bass riff that's used in and thank you for letting me be myself again and and it works really well in rhythm nation i think it really makes the song so that's my one that i i didn't include it in my top 10 it probably would have gone in there but i i decided well i don't know if it technically counts as a sample so it's my my 10 with a my number 11 my 10 with a question yes and when i saw that on yours but i know janet jackson did a song called if and she sampled it samples uh, Someday We'll Be Together by uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes. Yeah. That's it. And that almost made it. But when I saw yours, I said, is he going down that path? Oh, nope. He's going down another path. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know, part of it was, I mean, you know, she was working with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on those albums. And they were, I mean, that was the time period when they were the top of, I mean, they were the innovators in pop music at that time. And so much that was coming out was building off of stuff that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that they were doing were taking these parts of old songs, especially from the sixties and seventies and finding new and innovative ways to use them. And so, yeah, to me, the one that strikes me now that you mentioned DFA, I'm thinking about it, but rhythm nation was the one that really, really got me more. Yeah. That was a good one. All right. Well, let's, let's go into our top 10 samples. So what do you got at number 10? All right. Number 10, this was hard. But it was one of the top songs over the last couple of years. It was Old Town Road by Lil Nas. Mm-hmm. And he sampled a tune by Ninety's Nails, which was 34 Ghosts, number four. Mm-hmm. And that first song is not that popular. But when you go back, and I did this, I went back and listened to the original Ninety's Nails album it was on. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't remember that song. <laughs> and I threw it in here because... Correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you're still following the top part chart, but does it now have the single number one running record, number one of all time? Yes, 19 weeks. Uh, The record of 16 weeks that was Boys to Men and Rye Carries One Sweet Day. And I can't remember what the other song was that spent 16 weeks, but uh, Boys to Men and Mariah Carey, uh, 25 years ago in 95, 96, uh, they broke Elvis's record. And then Old Town Road in 2019, it went 19 weeks. I remember there were jokes in like June, July of of the year that year. Uh, and I remember seeing a joke and it was like, yeah, every kid that's been born since March has only known one number one song. It was incredible how long that spent at number one. So yeah, I mean, in terms of significance, right? In terms of historical significance, it's it meets that criteria really well. It, it also amazed me that it's one of those songs, it's only a couple minutes long too, yeah. which I was like, wait a minute. This is a really short song. That sample is prevalent for most of the song. And without it, I don't think it would have been as big. So I know it's a silly kind of song that's sampled that people may not be 100% reminiscent of. But once you figure it out, you're like, okay, now I remember. So what's your number 10? So my number 10 is an artist who... Oh, and by the way, the other song that spent 16 weeks at number one was Despacito. So um, I had to remind myself of that. But my number 10 is an artist who you really you don't think about in terms of sampling. At least I don't off the top of my head. But Mariah Carey's Fantasy uses Genius of Love from Tom Tom Club and uses it, I think, in a genius way. I, I think it really, really makes that song. I think if you take out that sample from that song, you know, it's probably still a hit because it's Mariah Carey right at the heart of her early popularity, her first five, year, five six years there. So so it's probably still a hit, but that song would not sound as anywhere near as good. I mean, that that sample makes that song. Yeah, I agree. I, when I heard it, I couldn't believe it. And it was on constant rotation. And there were a lot of 
you know, non Mariah Carey fans that that song actually brought them to like Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, a lot of her songs were very poppy. And that, I think Mm -hmm. to me, that was the shift of her going in more into that kind of R&B period of her career. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was right around that transition. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you're exactly right. That's where, I mean, she was always R&B. But where she, yeah, she picked up more of the, the sort of hip hop in there, right? And so, yeah. this song featured ODB. Mm-hmm. There's a rap version that I played, and that was the one everyone wanted to hear. And if you know that that rap, he's like, Mariah, Pacifia, you know, yep. he's like, he's rapping along. Yep. And I think that took her to another level and said, oh, wow, maybe we should start teaming her up with other rap artists. Yeah, I think you're exactly right to note that that was a shift from sort of this just sort of operatic voice that sang these deep ballad kind of stuff to something even grittier. Absolutely. So what do you have at number nine? Ah, number nine was my top 10 would not be complete without (laughs) this artist. There were probably 10 songs I could have put here at number nine with this artist, but it's getting jiggy with it will smith and the sample of he's the greatest dancer by sister sledge and i thought about there's so many songs here you could put here with will i mean he was the master of of sampling to me this was the one i just i want to get up and dance when i hear it yeah i to this day 25 almost 25 years later that comes on in the car and i've got the thing cranked i mean Hell, I named my own blog after it, you know, get niggy with it. You know, I I mean, that's the feel of that song. I think you're right. There's a certain mastery that Will Smith has and the feel of that song and what he did with that sample from Sister Sledge is just amazing. So, yeah. What's your nine? So my nine is is another guy who's had his share of success doing this kind of stuff. Eminem with Sing for the Moment with samples Dream On from Aerosmith. I think that that just masterfully, I mean, it's a, it's a song that's hard to, to top, you know, dream on is a classic and it has a feel that's, that's so important and sing for the moment really lives up to it in how it uses it. I think. Yeah. I had Eminem in my honorable mention, another one that was in my top 10 that got pushed out because Eminem actually represents a really long period of time of hip hop artists that was the top selling hip hop mm-hmm. artist and he sampled, but this was one of the samples that put him out there as a legend. Yeah, that's the it's the one that makes it for me. So, I mean, it, it's not actually my favorite Eminem song, but as, as far as samples go, I think it, it just really hits the mark. Yeah. So what do you have at eight? Eight is a song you had mentioned earlier. I actually do like Super Freak by Rick James. <laughs> so I did You Can't Touch This, MC Hammer, and then Super Freak Rick James. Yep. Yep. Just because to me... When I heard it the first time, I said, wait a minute, this is almost the same exact song. <laughs> but then once I figured out who MC Hammer was, I was like, okay, I like this. And it was just, it's still one of those songs. You put it on, people dance around like they got parachute pants on. Yeah, just like the in the video, right? With exactly. MC. You know, you mentioned that idea of, you know, they, they sound so much alike that the way it got used. I mean, that's a part of sampling is that, you know, sometimes I remember once in the mid 90s, my brother's five years younger than me. And you remember the song right here by SWV and it sampled Human Nature by Michael Jackson, which is my favorite Michael Jackson song. My brother and I are driving along in his car and SWV's song comes on. And, we, and I said, cool. Michael Jackson and my brother said, cool, SWV at the same time, right? And 
the five years between us was evident right in that moment. But it was like that idea that you said where they sound so much alike and they're both good, right? They both use it well. Well, what do you have at eight? So at eight, I got one that, that I think fits that bill. Exactly what we're talking about. Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn. Samples True by Spandau Ballet. I, I mean, I love True growing up. It's one of the first songs I think I used to sing along to when I was a kid. Just the way it is, it's an easy to sing along kind of tune. And I thought that PM Dawn used that masterfully. And again, it's one where you know you really can you hear that riff from True and... It could be one, it could be the other, but then, you know, PM Dawn comes in and it just, it feels very beautiful. Yeah, that was another one that fell out of my top 10. And PM Dawn, they are just poets. And they had another song that I thought was underrated that came back a couple years after that. You remember it, Looking Through Patient Eyes. And they also, in that song, they sampled Father Figure by George Michael. And that was another mass sample. It didn't chart as high, but... It got as much radio play, and I think it was because of that fact they realized, wait a minute, we did this on this song. What are we going to do next? Well, yep. we got George Michael. Yeah, and that's another one where I love Father Figure as a song, and they took a song that I loved, and they didn't ruin it. They, in fact, made it beautiful. So what's your number seven? Number seven is one that you mentioned a while ago. It's Ice Ice Baby, yep. Vanilla Ice. And it's because of the sample of Under Pressure by Queen. And this is a long-running story. You may remember the behind-the-music scene where he said, well, actually, I went, duh, 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 duh. You know, their song, actually. No. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't sample it. Yeah. Didn't realize that, guess what? Your underground hit is now mega, and you're going to have to pay up. Right. But you think about it. I mean, you still – you. You yep. say to anybody, stop, and they'll say, what, collaborate and listen? Yep. I mean, yep. the song will not go away. It's If Rick Roll wasn't invented, this would have been the other Rick Roll. I think you're right on that. I mean, people who you know, weren't alive 30 years ago when that was out, they know that song. And as you said, yeah, I, somebody will say stop, and that's exactly collaborate and listen comes out. And it, it's another one, right, where when it first starts, you don't know which one it is. And it was the first rap song to hit number one. And as you said, it was kind of emblematic of uh, Mr. Van Winkle's attempt to create himself. And so, oh, it's not the same. I created my, well, no, you know. So, yeah. All right. Well, what's at your seven? So my seven is one that you mentioned before. Regulate, Warren G and Nate Dogg. Again, sampling I Keep Forgetting by Michael McDonald. I love the feel of that. As you said, it's not a, it's more of a kind of a feel and groove kind of thing than a dance kind of thing. Uh, it's also a song that, that people recognize even years after it came out. And people, you know, who weren't around, who were really young or even weren't even born then, they know that song. There's a a thing in communication studies, there's a type of, we'll talk about a nonverbal communication and the types, and one of them is called regulators. It's a type of nonverbal communication. When I say that, I'll make a comment about Warren G and Nate Dogg, and people actually get the reference. It's got that kind of staying power. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, people know it, and it's amazing to me. And, you know, just a great, uh, and again, it took a good song that I like anyway and really made it beautiful. So what you got at six? Six. This is following my formula of liking a rock song that was sampled. But I went with Tricky mm-hmm. by Run DMC. And a lot of people don't realize that we talked about this on uh, a former episode when we were, I guess, our vinyl comeback podcast, that it was actually a sample of My Sharona mm-hmm. by The Knack. And it takes you a moment to, to listen to it, to figure it out. But this is another song, is if you put this song on, people know this song. And they will start singing, 
And I really think it's because subliminally you're hearing my Sharona. You can't connect why you like this song. There's some tremendous you know, rapping going on over the top of this. But this is one of those where these Jam Master J just masterpieces. And it's it just it's infectious, this song. It's a great tune. You know, it's right when uh, Run DMC is at the height of their popularity in the mid to late 80s. It's a song that sticks with me 30, almost 35 years later. Kind of like like you said, with Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, every time I hear the word tricky, that's exactly what stops in mind. And I'll, I'll, it's tricky. You know, I mean, I, I can, and as you said, you know, the, the sample is, is fundamental to that song. Absolutely. All right, well, what's it, your six? So my six, I mentioned De La Soul earlier. The one that made my top 10 is I Know, uh, which samples a couple of things, including Otis Redding's Sitting on the Dock of the Bay and uh, Steely Dan's Peg. You know, De La Soul's an act that I didn't really, I mean, I knew me, myself, and I back in the day, um, but I didn't really um, get into them probably because I just didn't have that much exposure in the late 80s, early 90s. But when I look back now, I really see how good they were and how good they are. And, um, and so I know as the song of theirs that I, I, I find that takes the sample and makes it beautiful in the way that, that, you know, is what I want to make my list. I agree with you on that one. So what do you got at five? All right. So now we're headed into the top five. Yep. Number five is I'll be missing you. Puff daddy, Faith Evans, one twelve, And it's every breath you take the police, which as you know, is, one of the biggest tunes of the 80s. And this song was significant because this song also topped the chart, but it also, we talked about this in the past as well, is that it really brought together a couple of artists live that I think a lot of people were really excited to see. Yeah, I think I say that, you know, if I look at like the biggest hits of the 80s, Every Breath You Take wasn't the longest at number one. Uh, that would have been Physical by Livy Newton-John, but it spent eight weeks there. It was near the top and it got played and played and played and played and played. And it was certainly one of the biggest hits of the 80s. And Puff Daddy, Faith Evans and 112 made it one of the biggest hits of the 90s too, you know, by with I'll Be Missing You. And I absolutely love that song. I think, you know, it's a great choice for the top five. I think, as you said, it can really capture that moment after uh, the Not- Notorious B.I.G. died and and it was just really, really well done. What's your five? So my five, we, you talked about Will Smith earlier. Here he is with Men in Black. So, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about the Daily 80 flashbacks that I do. And one of the artists who I found newfound respect for is Patrice Russian, who I didn't really know a lot about growing up. But now listening to more of her songs, especially from the early 80s, and I just am like, She's awesome. And uh, she had a song called Forget Me Nots, which if you listen to it on the radio and you don't know any better and you just hear the beat, you know, you hear the the sound uh, before she's singing, you might think it's Men in Black. I think Will Smith took that song, really, really worked it well into that Men in Black song. Yes. And this is the same thing where it was so hard to pick a Will Smith song. So there's so many, but great sample. Agreed. Yeah. So what do you got at four? At four, I've got California Love, Tupac, and Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. And it samples a song by Joe Cocker Mm -hmm. called Woman to Woman. And the one day I was, this was many years after this song, I always, I never really looked up what was being sampled in California Love. And I had the classic rock station on. And I looked down and I said, oh, it's April Fool's. So I thought for a second that this rock station was just April Fool's playing rap songs. Next thing you know, it goes into Joe Cocker singing. I'm like, what? <laughs> I never realized that it was a Joe Cocker tune. I, I just 
never put two and two together. And it just gave me some new respect to Joe Cocker because of everything, you know, his ballads, but this song, this this was unique. Yeah, and I mean, this is a it's a tremendous choice to be in the top five. I don't get into the song, which is why it's not in my top ten list. I, it's one of those where I just you know I don't quite feel it. But if you're talking about significance as a song, I mean, "California Love" by Tupac is really really important, and it, this is one that routinely makes folks lists of the best samples of all time and the most important samples of all time. And as you said, uh, taking that Joe Cocker song, uh, yeah. Yeah, great choice. All right, what do you got it for? So my four is Notorious B.I.G. himself uh, with Hypnotize. I Honestly, this could have been number one, and it's amazing that the, <laughs> I, I toyed with it, but the three that are ahead of it, I just couldn't put down below it. I think what he does with Rise by Herb Alpert is genius, pure genius. I mean, that sound that just comes in, and it, and it sounds hypnotic, right? It fits with the song, and it's a great Herb Alpert tune to begin with. And so... This had to be in my top five. And I, I swear, I thought it was going to be number one when I started and I just couldn't get it higher. It's just so well done. That's what's at my number three. So I totally agree with you. What's it your three? So my three is one that was down at your number nine, uh, getting jiggy with it. Will Smith, the second appearance. I, I couldn't leave either one out. I, you know, I didn't want to repeat folks too much. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I named my blog after it. So, you know, I crank that song every time it comes. I think that is so masterfully done to take that Sister Sledge song and turn it into a 90s classic that just, I mean, it just begs you to just dance, right? Which is what the song's all about, right? You know, moving exactly. around. Right? I mean, so. It's so fun. Yeah. So what do you got it to? Ah, well, you had alluded to this one a while ago. It's Wild Thing, Tone Loke. And it's because it's sampling Jamie's Crying by Van Halen. And I'll never forget the first time I heard this, I actually thought it, it was the Van Halen song. <laughs> and there's a story where Alex Van Halen, when he first heard it, he was like, wait a minute, that's my drums. <laughs> because Tone Loke, just like Vanilla Ice, didn't ask for the sample. This was a joke album they put together mm -hmm. and didn't realize it was going to rise to mega stardom so they didn't ask for any rights they put it together <laughs> but this song without the guitar riff without the drums that's alex van halen's signature sound right without it there's no way it would have climbed up when you play this song this is still one of those classic songs too that brings everybody out yep that's a song again that you know i mean the song was over 30 years ago it was 1989 and you know hit number two like you said it was a song they didn't necessarily think it was going to be a hit and it turned into a cultural phenomenon back then. i mean you know you see cultural references to that all over the place for decades I think you're exactly right. It doesn't make my list because I just, I didn't, I don't quite get into it as a song, but I think you're exactly right that without that Van Halen sample in there, that song just doesn't do much of anything. And the Van Halen song makes it brilliant. Well, it's, uh, it's still in my rotation. <laughs> uh, what's your number two? So my number two, uh, we're getting the same kind of artists over and over again here, but Mo Money, Mo Problems, Notorious B.I.G. with Puff Daddy and Maze. The way that they use I'm Coming Out by Diana Ross, you know, they're not the only ones who've ever used that sample, but I think they used it so brilliantly in that song. And so as much as I like Hypnotize, this is the one that I just, I find myself saying, I say the phrase Mo Money, Mo Problems consistently enough that it's you know it's like part of my my regular jargon and and it's a song that people know even if you know they weren't alive when it came out 
and again that it takes a song that was a, an important song in and of itself i'm coming out and it really just brilliantly uses it oh yeah i mean i i totally agree this was another one that you know it fell out of my top 10 just because i already had a notorious big song but everything about it makes you want to dance and was perfectly put together and like you said still to this day everyone knows it yeah and everyone knows that phrase yeah and i think and it blends into my number one so i'll just give you my number one right now uh, you mentioned it earlier it was number five for you it's number one for me i'll be missing you by puff daddy faith evans and 112 to me that's the pinnacle like i said i i like hypnotize i like getting jiggy with it i like more money more problems but i'll be missing you is i had that cd single in my car and i listen to that like constantly in the summer of 97 and even from the time that it came out and i just it was so 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 well done to take one of the biggest hits of the 80s and turn it into one of the biggest hits of the 90s as you said as we've talked about before really 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 captured that time and the, the moment and the feeling and so um that ends up at number one for me and so what's your number one well this was hard for me but I thought about it, and this is another one of those songs that keeps coming back. And you had mentioned it a while ago, actually, in our last podcast, which was Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang, sampling Good Times by Chic. And this song, I mean, it's been done many times. It came back 10 years later on the Wedding Singer soundtrack. You put this song on, most people still know the words to it. They form a circle, they dance in the middle. There's just so much cultural significance to it because it's considered one of the first rap songs ever. And it's sampling a song that even if you turn off Rapper's Delight, you want to dance to. So to me, it, it just kind of had everything that represents samples. There's no way to argue with your choice. I probably should have put it in my top 10. I think its historical significance is really, really important. It was the first rap song to hit the top 40. Um, as you said, 40 years later, it has ha lasting significance. People know it. People sing it. I mean, you know, you started talking and I'm in my head going hip hop, hip hop, 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 but don't stop. It's just there. As I said in, my la in our last podcast, you know, I have the memories of going to New York City in the early 80s. And this is, I mean, people mm -hmm. were just playing this over and over and over again. They had a tape and they, it was just on constant rotation. It didn't make my top 10 in part because I think in terms of the use of the sample and sort of the way I was thinking about the way in which the sample makes the song and stuff, I, in a sense, it doesn't even need the sample as much as some of the other ones do, right? You know, but the sample certainly still contributes to the song. And so it just wasn't the picture enough to make my top 10, given what my criteria was. But given what you said, your criteria, I mean, it's such an important song and it really sort of est helps establish the genre and helps establish sampling as a practice. So, I mean, yeah, great reasons for it to be at number one. And to me, it goes back to a point that we talked about this entire podcast, which is the familiarity of good times. Everyone mm -hmm. knew it back then. It's like, oh, we're, you know, it was right around that disco, maybe the conclusion of disco or the, the peak of it. But People knew that song. Well, let's add some rap over the top of it. Oh, okay, I think I can get into this. It was, it was kind of like the slow migration over. Yeah. And it also reminds me of when we were talking about covers. I know we talked about, we had an interview with Greg Renoff. He was talking about his Ted Templeman book. And Ted Templeman would always pick a cover because he would say, well, you're halfway there. It was already was a hit. <laughs> and I think a lot of times... Maybe that's what people are thinking when it comes to the sample. Yeah, I think that you got a, good, a very important point there that 
this was already a proven beat. This was a proven riff. This was proven to be successful. Okay, well, you know, and I don't know that this is the mindset that goes into it. I, mean, I suppose sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Right. I think a lot of times it's just I hear this beat and I start rapping over it and I got something good, you know. And But you're right that it kind of the success that the song already had helps already create a foundation for the success of the new song. And I think your point about disco is really important here because this is at the, the time when disco is faded, right? So there's that whole time period in the eighties where people are like, disco sucks, disco's dead. Right. Then like early nineties, we saw the disco is not dead movement that, you know, where, where people were rediscovering disco in a a new nineties feel to it. And then since then, disco has never gotten the bad rap that it had in the 80s. There was that reaction to, to disco that happened in the 80s. And then once the 90s kind of revived it, it's never it's never had that low again. And so I think your point is really important here, because what this did was if you took a disco beat, but you turned it into a rap hip hop song in the 80s, you were taking something that it was at that time frowned upon by certain segments of the population, not everybody, but certain segments of the population, and now turning it into something that they could like or find even at least find palatable. And so I think that's what's really important about songs like Rapper's Delight. Well, it, it's been fun counting down the top 10 samples, and there's just so many songs. I mean, when we post our lists with this particular podcast, there are a lot of songs that I had a lot of trouble with. There's one actually just reminded me of when you were talking about uh, Puff Daddy, mm-hmm. and it was when he teamed up with Jimmy Page for the Godzilla movie. And it was a song, I think he called it, uh, Come With Me, but it sampled Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And actually, mm-hmm. Jimmy Page, like I said, appeared on the song. It wasn't that big of a hit, but I remember when it came out, I'm like, oh my God, you know, it, they always get me when it, it's a rock riff. I'm like, okay, right. I, I, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, they just always got me. This was one of those songs that didn't make my list or anything, but it just started me think of how many songs that have been out there that have been sampled that people have forgot about that at the time you're like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> Yep, I think you're exactly right. There's a history of it now. So we've got 40 years of of, uh, of sampling hitting the big time that now, yeah, you start putting together a list and, you know, you start, well, I better look some stuff up because I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff. And then, oh my gosh, I forgot about that song. Or, you know, it's an important thing and it, it can send you right down memory lane. Yeah, and I remember thinking about, you were talking about why certain artists pick certain songs. And I remember specifically they were interviewing Puff Daddy and he was saying, you know, he just came back from a, you know, some show and he was in his hotel room and he put the TV on. You remember they used to have those commercials like Monster Ballads and they had, I guess, some Led Zeppelin you know, box set. And he heard that song. He's like, I never heard that song before. That's what he said. And he's like, he just started rapping to it, you know, to the yeah. commercial. And he's like, well, maybe I can call Jimmy Page up. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, the rest is history. But you just wonder these songs and the artists going forward. I mean, we just talked about, you know, Lil Nas. He had this phenomenal hit of sampling and what artists now are thinking, well, what songs can I sample? Right. I, I, I want a big hit. Well, and then you get that weird stuff. Like, um, I think of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, right? So, you know, what's the, taking... I dream a genie song and turning it into, you know, girls aren't nothing but trouble. 
you know, taking, you know, I mean, can't, they're not even taking like a pop hit. They're taking a TV theme song and they turn it into something, you know? I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was one that crossed. I mean, it wasn't going to make my top 10 because it's more corny and silly than anything, but it shows you just exactly that idea. I'm going to rap over the I Dream a Genie music, you know? You wonder you know, how many songs they tried to rap before that. Like, how about Green Acres? <laughs> You know, you got to think those two guys were just sitting there messing around. Yeah, they were totally just, what kind of goofball stuff can we do? And I mean, because that's what their early stuff, you know, really was, right? I think I can beat Mike Tyson and, you know, the Freddy Krueger, there's a monster on my, Nightmare on my, my Street, you know? I mean, they were just, it was goofy. And, and that's part of the reason it hit in the late 80s, because, you know, it was something that was palatable to a lot of radio stations that were really tentative about rap. Well, we can play this silliness. And there you go. They got like, you know, a few top 20 hits out of it. Open the floodgates. Well, it's been fun to oh, yeah. count out our top 10 samples. And like you said, Ray, there were so many, it was hard to narrow it down. But without further ado, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.